the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Offerman and Jacob Recht with you here on another edition of the Steelers Standard. Diving into some individual performances from Sunday's loss against the Green Bay Packers. I want to start with the guy that I was most impressed with. And honestly, he's the guy... I've been most impressed with all season long. That's Mr. Najee Harris in the backfield for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Finally was able to get over that 4.0 mark for an average per run this year for the first time in his NFL career. He averaged 4.1 yards per carry, had himself 15 carries, and took the ball 62 yards on the ground for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also had six catches on seven targets, for 29 yards so just over 90 yards of total offense coming from Mr. Najee Harris and getting that ground game going was a thing of beauty I got to be honest with you it has been a long time since the Steelers have been averaging over four yards per carry with their running back in fact it's funny the team average was just under four at 3.9 thanks to Benny Snell's one carry that went for zero point zero yards brought the average down slightly but Najee Harris 4.1 yards per carry and of course he gets himself a touchdown we've said all year long even though he doesn't have any room to run you can tell this cat is special he makes people miss he's tough to bring down he moves piles forward and you saw that on display again against the Packers but this time he's able to also get some downhill stuff going he's able to get past that line of scrimmage and he's able to get things working for the running game. The problem is, though, the Steelers go down 20 to 10 right out of the chute to start the second half. You kind of have to pass the ball at that point. And unfortunately, you couldn't really ride that hot hand of Najee, at least in the running game. And that stunk. But optimism moving forward, hopefully, and maybe this happens as soon as this Sunday against the Denver Broncos. Steelers get out to a lead. Maybe they start to figure things out about that run defense and they can start running the ball a little bit more effectively for all 60 minutes and not just for first half and into the three quarter until you got to start to pass. Yeah, I, I'm just happy to have this guy on my team, Tom. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, he's a he's a stud. He's an absolute stud, and there's a reason why the Steelers went with him rather than an, another offensive lineman because – Despite, I, I don't think having Kendrick Green in the third round, the remaining pieces you have available to you now, and an additional first round lineman would make life, would would be a world changing effect on Benny Snell or Kalen Bellager if you kept James, James Conner. Conner yeah. I don't think that a rookie, another rookie offensive lineman, when you're already starting one at your center position, an additional one as well, regardless of the position, I don't think it's going to change your run game output. I think the only way you're going to change it was to get a guy like Najee Harris who can ground and pound, break tackles, push piles forward, all the things that a good running back can do. He does so already at a veteran level, and he's only played in four games, and I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward because – 
I think with every game, he's looked better and better. Mm, James Conner, two touchdowns again for back-to-back weeks for the Arizona Cardinals. He yeah, only, I mean, he only, it's, it's not hard to do when your team is putting up 30 points every single week. Well, here's the thing, too. He only averaged 2.8 yards per carry. So he's a total, we're on the one-yard line. Let's just have Conner bang it in. It's a joke, anyway. Najee Harris looks a 1,000 times better than James Conner. Yeah. Najee Harris looks a lot better than most running backs in the NFL. I'd say so, too. And, and just a quick aside about the Arizona Cardinals, that now that you brought them up, the only team in the league to average or to put up 30 points in every single game this week or every single game this season, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're not quite at, at most two offensive touchdowns. They're close to that, week. but they're not quite there yet. They're not quite at the Cardinals level yet. Give you think a, they're close? Give them a couple time, more weeks. Yeah, you they're getting they're... there. They're knocking on the door. I'm kidding, obviously. I was waiting for that. I just wanted to make sure we're, we're all on the same page here. That's the difference is that James Conner is probably getting the ball a lot more than Najee Harris is later in the game because they're already firing so much. Uh, they're already scoring so much. But back to Najee Harris, I think by the season end, I know right now Jamar Chase just won Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think, he's the the sec- month of September. I think he looks like the second-best rookie even despite having trouble getting things going. I think it's even possible, Tom, that he can overtake Jamar Chase for rookie. Maybe. That's possible. I think Jamar Chase is benefiting a lot from his quarterback in Joe Burrow. And I think Jamar Naturally. Jamar Chase is great. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a stud. But the progression I've seen from Najee Harris, despite the offensive line, that's why I would give it to to Najee is because it's known how bad the Steelers' offensive line is. And he's overcoming that week after week and is doing so – better and better as the season has gone on. I think by the season end, I think it's possible that Najee Harris could be viewed as the offensive rookie of the year because of the value he brings to his team and the obstacles he's had to overcome to get to the production of which he'll finish with. Well, I think the next time that the Steelers get a win, it's going to be a Najee Harris breakout performance. Uh, I Again, this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but I do kind of circle this game coming up against Denver as potentially getting off the schneid there. But I could see the next time the Steelers get offense going and get enough offense going to pull out a victory would be something like Najee Harris has a ridiculous 180 yards total offense, gets over 100 on the ground, 80 of them obviously then coming in the receiving game, gets into the end zone a couple times. You know, I agree with you that he has been steady enough to keep his name in that race. But he does need to have that breakout performance. He needs to have that thing that puts him on the map, the thing that, you know, all the fantasy owners are going crazy because he had like a 35-point week or something like that. He needs that still, and I think it's coming. I think it's definitely on the horizon. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens against Denver this coming week. I know that that is a really strong defense coming into Heinz Field that the Denver Broncos boast, but I just feel like the game plan is going to center around number 22 more and more and more as we continue to move our way through this season. And I think that's the best way to go about it because I think he clearly already is the number one player on that offensive side of the ball. He's a different kind of style of a player, but it kind of reminds me of what Saquon Barkley can do for that New York Giants offense. And the Giants obviously are in a terrible spot, definitely a worse state than the Steelers are right now. But Saquon is such a dynamic game-breaker. You saw what he did against the New Orleans Saints. He catches that ball on a deep ball from Daniel Jones to put the, the Giants back within a field goal. Then they tie the game. Then Saquon 
powers his way into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown in overtime. That's the kind of vibes I get from Najee Harris. Again, they're different stylistically, but just his ability to be the game-breaker at the receiver position and then run the ball into the end zone with his strength. I see a lot of Saquon in Najee, and I see a lot of the Steelers' only hope on offense being through Najee Harris, much like the Giants' only hope on their offense is through Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I think that you're going to see games throughout this season and throughout the guy's career of which Najee Harris is the single reason his team wins the game. I think you saw that on display for the New York Giants with Saquon Barkley going on the road in New Orleans to beat the Saints, something no one expected that team to do. But that's the impact a guy like Saquon Barkley, a guy like Najee Harris can have on a team. You don't typically think of running backs as MVP guys. I think the last running back to win the MVP was Adrian Peterson, and that was about 10 years ago or so. And that's when I think he had his 2,000-yard rushing season. I know King Henry just did that, and you can be damn sure King Henry was the team MVP in Tennessee. It just took a ridiculous performance by a 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers to overcome that and win the MVP elsewhere. But I think Najee Harris, not necessarily a league MVP, but he's a guy who can win team MVP year in and year out because of his mastery of the running back skills that need to be displayed, that should be displayed uh, by a guy with the talent that Najee Harris has. Some other guys on the offensive side of the ball that I walked away with positive thoughts with are... are, I think there might only be one more left, but it's Deontay Johnson. I think Deontay is really establishing himself as the number one receiver and it's kind of funny because everybody's been trying you know to get chase claypool off the ground naturally so he's built like a number one receiver Mm -hmm. obviously juju himself has been trying to get him off the ground as the number one wide receiver that's kind of a party of one though it is kind of a party of one but deontay just you know week in and week out he's the the leader in targets for this team which usually translates to him being the leader in receptions for this team Almost had another 100-yard performance. Would have been his second of the season. He had 92 yards on nine catches. That's an average of 10.2 yards per catch. And, of course, he had the 45-yard touchdown pass from Ben Roethlisberger. Kind of ironic that we we, we compliment Claypool for his ability to go deep and, and high-point balls, whereas it was Deontay Johnson who had the long touchdown today. Yeah, and or yesterday. you saw the extra gear of speed because he was kind of even with that Jair Alexander mm-hmm. for most of that, and then he Really boom, bad play by Alexander. by Alexander. Bad play by Alexander, but you know what, Jacob? Let's give the credit to where it due. Oh, absolutely. Deontay, Deontay Johnson burned move. one of the best yeah. cornerbacks he did. in football. He absolutely did, but just a weird attempt at swatting the ball away by someone who we consider to be an elite def- defensive back. In did you game. notice later in the game the Steelers tried to go back to that play? I don't know if it was to Deontay or not, but they tried to hit a receiver on that same route on the sidelines and Jair knew. He adjusted uh-huh. that time. He knocked the ball away I that time. That, no. You're not going to get a guy like that more than once. But the fact of the matter is, is they got him once, and that's all that really matters. And, again, it's that extra burst of speed you saw at the end of that perfect pass by Ben Roethlisberger where Deontay was able to get that one-and-a-half yard of separation by hitting that extra gear to get into the end zone. He's so skillful. We've said how he's amazing yards after catch-wise. You want to throw a screen to somebody, you want it to be Deontay Johnson. But he's also making his presence felt in the downfield game as well. Look, 
it stinks that Deontay and Ben are kind of two ships passing in the night here where Ben is on his way out and Deontay is just starting to establish himself mm -hmm. because I think these two in a in an era where Ben was a little bit younger and a little closer to his prime it wouldn't have been as dominant but they could have established a nice little AB Ben-esque relationship and, and people have compared Deontay to a little AB-esque ever since he's gotten here I think it's his size has a lot to do with that and his unbelievable playmaking ability after the catch has a lot to do with that but Deontay's a weapon man and I, I think that whoever the next quarterback is for the Steelers probably as early as next season that's going to be a pretty solid number one wide receiver to play with you when need, you're trying to break you into need the to league. Utilize the guy. Yeah, I think he's a good. Najee obviously is the best thing going for that offense, breaking in a new quarterback. Right. But you need to establish a relationship with, with Deontay and as the, early as you and can. And what I love about Deontay is, like we've said, he's a yard after catch machine. Mm -hmm. And they've used him in the short routes a lot to help Ben and his aging arm, but that also helps a young quarterback and his decision making when. The routes are only five yards down the field. They're quick slants. They're quick hitters to Deontay. I think he's a perfect kind of receiver to break in that next era. He's also the perfect kind of receiver for a guy like Ben now. But, uh, again, you just don't know what you're getting from Ben on a week-to-week -week basis at this point. So that it's hard to really see Deontay get to his full potential when the consistency from the quarterback position is it's not there. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but it's just the honest truth. No, and I, I'd be curious to know what the relationship would have been like at this point had Ben not had the elbow surgery. when Had a whole another year with him. Had yeah. In Deontay's rookie year, arguably his best year as a Steeler when he went all pro, that was in, on special teams. But still, he, he was impactful for the offense when the offense was able to get him the ball, via, whether it was via Mason Rudolph or Doug Hodges. You saw the skill that Deontay Johnson had. It just wasn't fully reached that potential wasn't fully reached as a rookie because it was Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges throwing him the ball you you gotta wonder what 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 Deontay Johnson could be today if that relationship had a whole nother year to grow especially at his young age when Ben was still younger than he is now when he was able to throw the ball deep there was no indication at that point in 2018 or in 2019 rather that Ben Ben's deep ball wasn't there anymore you, you you still knew he could he could do it. It's just he had that elbow surgery very early on. Before we move to the defensive side of things, one last thing on offense: Ben's pass the juju. Ben Which put too one? much air under it. There were two. The touchdown one, the big one, the main one. Touchdown. It was going to be a touchdown. I think no that's question. more on Ben than it is on Juju. I agree, but I think both of them have a hand in the pile. I I agree, but I think Ben's put blame some is touch bigger. under that thing. There was no one behind him. Float that baby up there. Let him run under it. You don't. He put a lot of mustard on that ball for someone who was running wide open with no one in. Like he put that. The amount of zip that Ben put on that ball, you would think that Amos or Savage was coming over the top and he needed to put it in that tight window. Juju was going to get hit immediately. You could have floated that baby towards the back of the end zone, let Juju run for days. So I think it was a questionable decision on the type of ball that Ben threw. Uh, I don't – see, now I actually am coming around to it. It was a really tough catch for Juju to make. I, I think – Yeah, no, he, he did not – Here's I mean, the thing, though. if Juju knew the ball was coming – He's making a better effort, or he has a better chance to catch that ball. Does but a I number one receiver make that play, though? Does Devontae Adams make that catch? Yeah. 
I think Devontae Adams has a better chance to make but that catch. But that's such a stupid bar to put out there, you know? Like, hey, the number one receiver in football would make that catch, so what are you doing out there, you know? like Yeah, it, it, that's what I got to say. It's, it's, I don't, when, I, when I saw that ball drop to the ground, I thought, Ben, how could you over? You got to hit that pass. I did not think at all in my head that it was on Juju in any way. You got to hit that pass. I mean, you have to. That's six points right there. Tomlin mentioned it in his post-game press conference. You know, they asked if the plays that he was referring to was that Juju play where they missed downfield, and he was just like, you guys know the plays that I'm talking about, you know, and that's definitely one of them. You got to hit those things, and Ben knows it. You know, that's those are on the road. Those are the plays mm-hmm. that swing games for you, and just a couple inches overthrown with a little too much mustard on the ball. Or else Juju's running into the end zone and we get an amazing TikTok uh, uh, dance in, <laughs> in the end zone for a celebration. But and Juju is loving life because that bumps his yards per catch yeah. way up. Yeah, it's a deep ball now that Juju uh-huh. caught for a touchdown. But yeah, it's such a missed opportunity. You really hated to see that happen. I mean, and it's it's foreign territory because I mean, Ben saw, usually hits that ball all the time. You saw his frustration on the sideline. Juju using that that tablet to re to watch the replay and he throws the tablet to the ground. I mean, it was, I'm sure it's frustrating to all of us. It was even more so to Juju because he knew he had the chance to make that catch. It just, the ball wasn't there. I'll say this though, on the second deep ball that came in the second half to Juju, I think Juju not necessarily took, should take the full blame, but has more of an even share of the blame with Ben because I think Juju could have made a better read on the ball there. He had more time, and he didn't really adjust as well. However, it still was a hard, difficult ball to catch, not necessarily a given as much as it was the first time. But still, that I mean, I'll, I'll put both up as, as missed plays, missed opportunities for the Steelers' offense. On the defensive side of the ball, I think they played okay. You know, I think that they did a decent amount of job stopping Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense. Like we said, they were dealing on two of the touch, two of the three touchdowns that the Packers scored. They were dealing with a short field. They with had less than forty yards. This, to go. The drive started already in Steelers territory, and that's really, really, really hard to be able to stop against any team in the NFL, let alone one led by perhaps the greatest thrower of the football that we have ever seen so you're just playing with fire there uh they did force a turnover on Aaron Rodgers in the second half with a fumble that they recovered uh Aaron Jones squirting the ball out and TJ Watt jumping on that uh weren't able to capitalize off of that though and turn it into any points which was very upsetting they did have three sacks of Rodgers, T.J. Watt getting two of them. But both of them were, were weird plays. Weird plays. The one resulted because of Aaron Rodgers tripping, and the other one, he just went down, he slid down, and T.J. Watt was the nearest guy Still who, counts. who downed him. Devin Bush sack was awesome. Great. Awesome. You've seen Vince. That was the Vince Williams blitz yep. that we used to see all the time. Great play call by Keith Butler to dial that up in that situation. Uh, but, yeah, three total sacks. They had seven tackles for loss in the game. They hit Aaron Rodgers eight times, so they definitely made their presence felt. T.J. Watt, of course, also got himself a roughing the passer call, which it was a roughing the passer. He got there late for sure. But he got I, there late, but, but here's the thing. I kind of like years that. Ago, I don't know if that play is called. Well, whatever. But here's why I kind of like it. That play, and T.J. doesn't know this at the time, but that play goes to the 11-yard line. 
So it's half the distance to the goal. They get like an extra four yards on top of it. And you got to really plaster Aaron Rodgers. I, I'll take that trade off any day of the week. You're already pretty much knocking on the door anyway. What's an extra couple yards for me to just put number 12 on his butt and make him feel uncomfortable for a little bit? But they played a solid game, I think, defensively. I mean, again, when you have to stop Aaron Rodgers in the Packers offense and you only have 40 yards to work with, that's almost an impossible task. So even though you look at the box score and say 27 points, that's a lot for this defense to give up. If you had watched the game, you'd realize that the defense played a lot better than that final score would indicate. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's just so hard to watch this defense go out there after Aaron Rodgers has a 13-play a drive that was, what, 60, 70 yards, and then they had to go back out there less than a minute later because of the Ben fumble. And they have to now only cover 40 yards, but Aaron Rodgers is going to take advantage of that all day. And then the, the Presley Harvin punt. I mean, that was a three-play drive the Steelers had that resulted in, I don't even know, maybe like five yards? I don't even know. And the ball traveled less than halfway down the field. Another short yardage situation for the Packers. It's just so hard to watch this defense do a good job on drives that are that start in, in fair territory that, that the defense can slow down Aaron Rodgers, but then they're asked to go right back out on the field less than a minute later, less than, than 90, or 90 seconds or two minutes later, and you can't expect them to give their full effort when they were just out on the field for long drives or, or whatever drive there was and then be asked to go back out right again and in short yardage situations that you can't expect your defense to hold Aaron Rodgers scoreless every single time. They did an okay job stopping Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Yeah, they did. Devontae Adams only had six catches for 64 yards only. Like, that's not a, a decent game in the NFL. But for the number one receiver in football, that's a pretty solid job of holding him down. Aaron Jones had three catches for 51 yards, ran the ball 15 times for 48 yards, had trouble getting things going on the ground. He flirts with 100 total yards of offense, but he doesn't get there, which is good. The problem is, yes, they did a good job of containing Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. But the not, other two. They did not do a good job of containing A.J. Dillon and Randall And Cobb. Randall Cobb, exactly. So it's like you stopped the superstars, but then the fringe players came out and bit you. A.J. Dillon, 15 carries, 81 yards. 5.4 yards per carry. He ran the ball at will all game long. All game long. And Randall Cobb, over the middle of the field, was just running wide open constantly. On third downs, too. I mean, constantly. The third down it's Randall Cobb, overall, man. The, the third like, down defense overall was atrocious. They could not force a stop, but it seemed to be Randall Cobb's ball every time. Randall Cobb, when the Packers traded the Texans for him because Aaron Rodgers made the Packers trade the Texans for him, everybody and their mother was saying, He's done. He's not a good player anymore. And for the first three weeks of the season, it looked like he was done and he wasn't a good player. And then he comes out and he looks like it's 2013, 2014 Randall Cobb with the, the Jordy Nelson uh, across from him. Duo, and yeah. Yeah, like That's what it looked like out of nowhere, and that was extra frustrating. The fact that the middle of the field was that wide open all game long, really, really frustrating. But you know what? Like Wolf said on the postgame uh, wrap-up, that's the product of them being able to get the running game going. And it opens uh -huh. up the play action, and it opens up the middle of the field for Aaron Rodgers. It's what the Steelers have been missing all year long when they haven't been able to run the football. Packers showed you exactly why you want to have a good running game because it just opens things up so much. Absolutely. And 
that's what the Packers were able to do, right? They they were able to attack through the ground and through the air, and that's why Aaron Rodgers is considered one of the better offensive players, if not the best thrower of the ball that we've ever seen in, in NFL history, certainly in our age, in our era of watching football. But he, he really takes advantage of the run game when he has one available to him, right? I think that's been one big thing that Aaron Rodgers has been missing. He he had Eddie Lacer for, what, a year or two before that guy burned out? Before he got fat. Before he got really, really I mean, yeah, really I fat. just said burned out, no, but he yeah, he really put on a fat, lot of weight. Yeah. He didn't. He has never had a rushing attack like he's had since Aaron Jones has come into his own. It used to be Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. No skips were or no beats were skipped when Jamal Williams left for Detroit, and they promoted AJ Dillon to the number two guy. It's just Aaron Rodgers does such a good job of utilizing every aspect of his offense in order to win games, and that's why you see him go week in week out, putting up twenty seven points every single week. You know, I was told from a pretty reliable source within the Packers organization that they don't do enough to help staff Aaron Rodgers with good supporting casts. It's a pretty good draft pick from A.J. Dillon a couple years ago. It's a pretty good source you have. I mean, that's some pretty insider information. I don't know if I would have ever known that had you not shared he's that. He's pretty plugged me. in. Yeah, he plays quarterback for them. But <laughs> they did a really good job with this A.J. Dillon guy. I mean, that's a really solid running back. That's a running back that probably is a starter in a couple other teams in the NFL mm-hmm. at this point already. I mean, Jamal Williams could be a starter, yeah. too, in Detroit. It's just you have a guy like DeAndre Swift there. You need a two-headed monster, and uh-huh. that's exactly what the Packers went out and got themselves. And it's a really strong offense. Finally, just touching on Aaron Rodgers real quick. Uh, what's crazy about that this guy is I really don't think he played any spectacular football game, and he still was 20 for 36, 248 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 95.6. Kept him under 100. Kept right. that quarterback rating under 100. Uh, if I if you listen to our episodes last week, I mentioned 14 out of 16 games last year he had a quarterback rating of over 100. So I'm a little surprised it wasn't over 100. I mean, it was. Be- the, but this is the kind of point I'm trying to make. He was c- incredibly pedestrian for his standards, and he still was phenomenal. He still was in complete control of that football game, and it's insane when you get to really watch him play your team and you're really paying attention extra hard, how effortless the passes are. I could not agree more, Tom. Uh, You're thinking you see this guy every four years, so you go so long in between times of his career. Like Obviously, we see him on national TV in the playoff games, but when you're really focusing because it's the Steelers playing him. And you want every pass falling complete, and they're not. They're just so effortless, too. It's like he doesn't even need to step into it. He just like flicks his wrist, and he puts it with the tightest tightest spiral Mm -hmm. I've ever seen. Aaron Rodgers should be one of the more hated athletes in Pittsburgh because of the Super Bowl win he had against them. But I just how weird s- is it that he's not? He's not at all. I think it's because he's that good. He, he he is so much fun to watch. But when you're actually playing him, you're sitting here biting your nails, whatever tick you have. Your 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 knees are are shaking. Your whole body is shaking. Whatever, because you know he can he can do whatever. Ever the hell he wants against your defense, no matter how good it is, and that's what exa- that's exactly what I was doing here yesterday. Was oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's he gonna do on this play? What's he, what what, yeah. what magic is he gonna pull out of his hat this time? There's only a few quarterbacks in the league where you're you're absolutely terrified every time they touch the ball. It's him, it's Brady, and I'd say it's probably Mahomes, Mahomes at this point yeah. too. And those three are really the only guys where 
every single time they run out onto the field for another possession, you're holding your breath because they're that good. It was the most fun I'd had watching an opposing quarterback play against the Steelers probably in my lifetime. I don't know why I didn't feel that way the other couple of times we've gone up against the Steelers have gone up against the Packers. Well, he's been hurt for a couple of them. Well, yeah, so good point. So in 2017, it was Deshaun Kaiser. Right. Who so almost beat there. the Steelers. Who almost beat the Steelers. Uh, it was Aaron Rodgers for majority of the game in 2013. However, uh, what was his name? Matt Flynn? Yes. Had to come in at the end of the game, and he threw uh, – it was either an interception – it was a fumble that was caused that Aaron Rodgers, I don't think, loses, and that resulted in the Steelers getting the ball back either to ice the game or, or, or to get the go-ahead touchdown. Um, and then 2009 – that was before Aaron Rodgers was really Aaron Rodgers. So you really can't chuck that game up into the similar stature. This was no, the most fun I had ever had. You're forgetting about one. Huh? You're forgetting about one. Game, well, I'm, I'm not going you know, to talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to talk about that, that game right now. But it was so much fun to watch him because I'd watched him so many times, as you said, on national TV. But this was going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just had and I and for some reason I couldn't bring myself to hate the guy. Joe Burrow is a young quarterback. I, I'm thinking to myself when when you're go, going up against him, I'm like, you little piece of crap, man. You think you're you're hot stuff right now in this league. I can't wait to put you in your place. You think you have the best receiver in Jamar Chase? Watch out, that guy's gonna be a non-factor. That didn't happen, and. I'm going up against Aaron Rodgers. It's totally different. I'm just so respectful of his game and his craft that I'm just I'm so nervous, but I'm just so excited to see what he can do. And you saw that reciprocated on the field a ton in that game. So many Steelers players, you know, patting him on the head after a pass rush mm -hmm. or, you know, having yeah, some exchange Yeah, him and T.J. had a great time going up against each other. Tomlin called that time right. out to stop awesome Rodgers to doing the Rodgers thing. Rodgers loves to get too many men on the field penalties by snapping the ball quickly like that. And you saw the exchange between Tomlin and him smiling at each other. The respect that both players have for each other. He's the most. I think Rodgers is the most next to Brady is the most respected quarterback in the. Yeah, NFL. but I think it's even more so because I think people really hate Tom Brady. Well, yeah, the guy wins every year. I don't think people hate Aaron Rodgers anywhere near the the way they they hate Tom Brady. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. As always, we are so appreciative for you guys in Steelers Nation, guys and gals in Steelers Nation, for giving us a listen. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opperman. We look forward to talking to you on the next episode of the Steelers Standard.